Spinning out of control, here we go Foot to the pedal, till it's touching the metal Let's rock and roll, yeah So they need to get them tigers to screech and I beat them Check the flags, last lap, nobody can beat them It's just that it's a party, put it on in the carpool And hear us talk a lot of NASCAR in the audio Singing loud, we don't just want it out of mode We're getting dirty around here, yeah We're in the mall. We're in the marbles Uh, we're in the marbles In the marbles Hey everybody, welcome to episode 52 of In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan. My name is Soda, you can find me on Twitter at Soda underscore Hunter. And I am Ethan, and you can find me on Twitter at Viva Le Ethan. This might be a hard number. Uh, who comes to mind when you think number 52? I'm going to be super, super honest with you. I have not had the time to even <laughs> remotely think about this. So I am racking my brain. I am trying to come up with a 52, and I cannot think of one. I, I got two off the top of my head. Uh, Chase Elliott actually, um, he, uh, he, did some, he did some throwbacking to one of these guys uh last year in the uh, darlington race the jimmy means number 52 napa car oh yeah of course and and he uh actually has a like a teal blue like a baby blue what other what kind of weird color blue is that i don't know but he also had uh as an alka seltzer sponsor car um i want to say early 90s maybe 91 92 93 i think is when the napa one happened but uh, I, I have one more if you can't think of anybody else. I cannot think of anyone else. Ken Schrader. In uh, ARCA, the Bush series, his modifieds, uh, anything he drove, he drove a 52. Yeah, that is absolutely true. He definitely did. The, the one that I think of the most is the AC Delco red, white, and blue 52. That's yep. early 90s, I want to say. But... Um, Man, how's, how's your week been? Busy. Busy <laughs> and tiring and uh, all the above. How about yours? Uh, Well, today we just got power to the house. Ooh, out, there out you front. go. Yeah. I mean, we're not nowhere near ready to move into it. We're probably another two weeks away from it. But still, power is out there, so that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds exciting. I'm really excited for you guys. It's yeah, it's gonna be a culture shock going out there and doubling your space. It's just yeah, can't imagine. We're ready. We're so ready for it. But yeah, you know, patience, I guess. Um. Yeah. So before anything, we got some news. We got, we got a lot of news. Yeah, there's a good bit of news. Uh, one from last week that I think dropped right after we recorded. Uh, because one. Two things actually dropped right after we recorded because one, we talked about it during the recording that Denny Hamlin's penalty was going to be upheld. Yes. When we gave our 
I, I know I gave my personal opinion on why. It's because he mouthed it off and said he's not going to be the only one dot points. And that's why Justin Haley's penalty got upheld to that certain degree, you know, the 75 points instead of a hundred or, or zero like the, like the Hendricks did. So yeah, Hamlin's got it completely upheld, fine points, everything. And then right after that, <laughs> NASCAR's getting their points back. <laughs> uh, randomly, randomly picked the 24 and the 48. Mm-hmm. And, uh, took them to the research uh, the R and D center and they got, uh, they got docked for greenhouse violations. Yes. 75 points a piece, which is the, I think the bare minimum of that level two penalty, which that's significant because NASCAR went and changed the, uh, appeal boards rules. They, they said that from now on, you could not completely rescind a penalty if they find that there was indeed a penalty. Like there was indeed a penalty for the Louver deal a few weeks ago because they still fined them money. But they took away the points penalty for it. The ruling for a level two penalty is between 75 and 125 points, I believe. It might be 75 and 100, but I think it's 75 and 125. And now the, uh, the, the, the board that the appeal board, I don't know what you call it. They, they can only, if there's actually a penalty, they can only adjust the points in that standard, like in that level two window. So if it's a hundred point penalty, they assessed the lowest they, if there is indeed a penalty, if that, that board says that there is a penalty, the lowest that they can actually drop that points total to is 75 because that's the range for a level two penalty. So <laughs> that stirred some junk up last week. And I know Hamlin wasn't happy at all because they were, they were literally changing the rules while his appeal was happening. Right. Yeah. So... I hope all that makes sense uh, that I just explained because that explains why Justin Haley's penalty was docked to 75 because that's the lowest it is. And the fact that uh, the 48 and 88, I mean, I'm sorry, the 48 and 24 both got penalized 75 points for the greenhouse violation. If there was indeed an infraction there, which I'm, fairly sure it was it's Hendrick after all um then they can't take that 75 points back they can't even take 25 points back they gave them what they're going to get and right. i have a feeling pretty soon the five and the nine are gonna follow that's just my opinion i don't know <laughs> i mean it's hard not to think something <laughs> like that's gonna happen right i mean mm -hmm. and for all the listeners that might not know what a greenhouse is uh in a race car the greenhouse part of the car is going to be like the inside. It's going to be the roll bars. It's going to be the driver's seat. It's going to be the steering wheel. It's going to be the dashboard, stuff like that. So how in your, so for anybody that doesn't know how teams could manipulate that, Soda, do you want to explain what are some advantages of, of messing with the greenhouse? Well, I mean, it's all about your profile. 
it's all about your aerodynamic profile. Um, right. It's, let's see, the, the greenhouse, from what I understand, is basically where the driver is sitting. Like, yes. it's that whole area right there. And, like, I, I think it's more towards the front of the car as opposed to the entire thing. So, if, like, you, you have this uh, little bit of an advantage, like maybe a, a tenth of an inch shorter or a little more laid back on the uh, the top of the windshield going to the hood or something like that. That little bit will make a difference there on some of these really, really uh, sensitive downforce tracks. And I mean, that's, that's, I mean, as without actually knowing exactly what they did that I'm guessing they messed with the roof line. Uh, that's kind of what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's kind of, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking they messed with where the windshield and the A posts, which if you look at a car, you have uh I'm actually I have to look at a I have to look at a next gen car to see exactly what they have. But usually they have an A post, a B post, and a C post. And if you look at the side of a car, the A post will be the <clears throat> like I say, you have the side of the car and you have the roof. The posts are the things connecting the roof to the side of the car. So an A post would be the one in front of the driver. The B post would be the one directly behind the driver. And the C post would be the one going to the trunk. Right. I'm thinking they messed with the top of the A post leading into the, the roof. Like in that area going across the windshield. I think something, something in that got a little screwy. That's without knowing exactly what they did. But uh, you kind of feel the same way? Oh, yeah, 100%. That's kind of, you know, it's not going to be like if wherever you can see, like when they do in-car audio or not audios, but in-car in cameras, you can see the driver shifting. Um, it's not like if they move that shifter two inches to the left. It's like, that's not what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. We're talking about, and that's kind of what I thought was a posts or, uh, you know, B post, C post. It could, it, it could be the C post. It could be leading off the back of it. I don't know. I mean, they did also say in this whole rule change thing that they were going to display illegal, illegal, uh, illegal parts, compensated parts. And from what I understand, that's really old school. Like that's something they used to do a long yeah. time ago. Whenever they catch somebody cheating, they take that part and they put it out there on display to show it off. Like, Hey, this is what you can't do. <laughs> and then they took it away because teams were kind of, you know, coming up to NASCAR saying, I want to see the part that got, you know, DQ'd or whatever wasn't cool. And they'll show it to them. And these teams, as I've said before, like are complete mad scientists. Mm -hmm. They'll figure out a way to make it work for them. Okay. I can't do it this way because I got caught. So now let me try it this way, you know, like, and it kind of helped teams cheat a little bit better. <laughs> A little bit. Um, with this new car, though, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room to, to do anything with. Everything is so, like, it's laser uh, measured. Like, it's, you literally, you go and you roll that car into a black room. Everybody gets out. They press the button, and hundreds of lasers attack this car. It's like a rave. It, it's really neat looking. And I, 
I don't, I don't always get notifications when they do it, but once in a while on Sunday mornings, I'm talking about like maybe nine or 10 AM somewhere in there. They'll NASCAR will, uh, live feed tech room. Yeah. And that is so interesting. I mean, it's kind of, it's boring because all you're doing is watching a car come through and everybody leaves and lights attack the car for maybe a minute and a half, two minutes, something like that. I don't even know. And then the lights come back on and they roll the car out and they roll the next one in. It would be really boring to watch more than about three or four of them, but watch, watch three or four of them. It's really interesting until it gets boring. <laughs> if, that, right. if that makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> but I think it's just on the NASCAR YouTube channel. Oh, there you go. I mean, it's at least, I mean, it's very interesting. If you don't, if you know what you're looking for, it's interesting. If you don't know what's going on, you might, you know, be like, okay, what's, what's going on? I'm losing interest. And they put these big white circles on the windshield and stuff like that. I don't, I don't even know what those are for, but I, I don't either. Yeah. I have no idea. Some kind of reflective thing or maybe a marker to help them measure everything. I have like a reference point. I have no idea. Uh, speaking of Hendrick, uh, this concerns our fantasy cup. Uh, Chase Elliott's back this week. Yes. How do you think he'll do at Martinsville? I, I'm very surprised that Martinsville's the track that he wanted to come back to. So like after, uh, Bristol dirt, I was very aggravated and I even went on Twitter and I said that I'm picking Josh Berry <laughs> as my pick. <laughs> And a couple hours after I made that tweet, I said, Ethan, what are you doing? And I said, a nice good old prayer to the man above. And you know what? Chase Elliott's coming back. So that vetoes my pick is Josh Berry. So uh, It wasn't official anyway. You have to do it in the post. Yeah, that's very true. So I <laughs> I was sitting there and I was like, my goodness, I do not want to pick Josh Berry. Uh, so now it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. I mean... If you look at Hendrick's track record at Martinsville, which we'll get into a little bit later, they've won 27 times at Martinsville. Mm -hmm. um, That's wild. I personally, if I was Chase Elliott, would have picked the track that I don't need to use my left foot. I mean, that that's what he broke, isn't it? His left leg? Yeah. There's a lot of breaking going on at Martinsville. And I know a lot of these drivers are... I guess some of them are with racing as far as like how fast your reflexes need to be. A lot of them do use two feet, but like I never did that. I think a bunch of them still probably use, actually, I don't know. I guess, I guess on Martin's so they would still use one foot, but I feel like that would get tiring swapping back and forth like that when you're doing it a thousand times. I mean, legitimately <laughs> a thousand times. So maybe actually, maybe we're thinking of this all wrong. Maybe this is the prime time racetrack to come back to just to test it out. It's 400, uh, 400 laps, not 500, but it's going to be 400 laps. So, I mean, that's, that's a lot of breaking. And then if it does hurt too much, well, then Talladega, you literally do not have to use that that left leg pretty that's, much at all. That's why I figured Talladega would be the track he come back. I mean, he won the last race there. 
And right. So maybe yeah. this week will be the the week that okay, you know, maybe it was too soon or whatever. At least I can make whatever points he's going to make suffer through on Sunday at Martinsville, and then he'll have that whole next you know week at Talladega to make as many more points as possible, and hopefully within two weeks from now you know they can figure it out if if he still is feeling really uncomfortable then you know he might have to miss a couple more races i don't see that for i don't foresee that happening but maybe this will be the you know the the trial and error you know what they can do to help him in that race car when they go i don't know what's after is it kansas after talladega or i charlotte? don't even know i'll have to look i don't think it's but, charlotte yet I mean, obviously, they're going to have the all-star race before the Coke 600. Oh, so yeah, that's right. So, is going to be before Charlotte. But I think I know. that's late in the year. I think that's like uh, maybe the third week and the fourth week in May. Yeah, I uh, I know they're going to Kansas April – or April, uh, May 9th. So, the so we got six... one week in between. That might be Darlington. It might be Darlington. I actually think it's Darlington. I think in Darlington usually Mother's Day weekend. Yes. Okay. Well, that's going to be the fourteenth. The fourteenth is Mother's Day this year. So maybe know. it's Darlington. <laughs> without looking at a schedule, maybe it's Darlington, uh, North Wilkesboro, on the twenty-first and the twenty-eighth will be Coke Six Hundred. So before that, I don't even know. We've, we've about exhausted all the short tracks we're going to have. You know, I mean, Richmond, yeah. Bristol, Martinsville, it's short track season. That's how it used to be when I was a kid. You would have a month worth of short tracks between North Wilkesboro, Bristol, Martinsville, and Richmond. And Rusty Wallace would win every one of them. And then you go on and do your other stuff. And then towards the end of the year, you have that month again. That would. That was like what it was when I was a kid. We kind of got back to that a little bit between, I guess I consider Phoenix a short track now. I don't, I never considered that a short track, but uh, maybe Gateway, Gateway in between here somewhere. Uh, I want to say Gateway is in June or July or something. I have to like bring that. up a schedule. I'm too lazy to bring it up. Yeah. I am too, yeah. honestly. I'm just, I'm more worried about my neighbors. Um, doing something outside <laughs> there I, I don't know if you can hear it but Tell them to go to bed. their little their uh their little child is out right next to my window that i'm recording in and she is hooting and hollering and having the time of her life while we are recording so i don't i don't hear it maybe it's not coming through oh i hope <laughs> not um i think we're right though with mother's day what like the 14th arlington the 21st norcoxboro and the 28th Charlotte, I maybe, maybe not the uh, 21st, maybe it's the 20th, it's a Saturday night. So maybe it's, I think we're right with those three weeks, but. So do you want to know the answer? Did you look it up? Yeah, yeah. go ahead. So Martinsville is this weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, we have Talladega. Then we have Dover. Dover, cool. And then it's Kansas, Darlington, and the all-star and then it's Cooks so i was right about those last three yeah, yeah. i just the way the the weeks fell 14 20th and 28th just the way the weeks fell i figured that's what what it would be i assume the all-star race is on saturday well i just exited <laughs> out fine. of it 
<laughs> so I do not know. It's fine. I think we're going to have something interesting going on at the Fantasy Cup with the All-Star Race. We're going to let it marinate a minute, really think about it, and I feel like we got something fun that's not going to be – it's not going to be points racing. It's not going to be a race that's going to include – like be included with the uh, actual fantasy cup point standings. It'll be like its own special separate thing, but I don't know. Me and you got to work out some details between just between us off, off the podcast. I think we got a decent idea of what we want to do. And everybody that's entered in the fantasy cup will obviously have a free entry into this and it'd be for a prize. So we'll see We'll see what we got going on with that. And it wouldn't be like a winner prize. It would be like highest finisher prize. Like somebody's going to win a prize with it. Right. Um, so let's go on with some more news. Uh, we also had, we had a really bad story come out. I don't really want to dwell into it too much, but basically uh, Cody Ware has been indefinitely suspended from NASCAR for uh, abuse, pretty much, of his his girlfriend, right? It was his girlfriend or his wife? I don't know. All I know is it was a female. Mm, I think think it was his girlfriend, but I'm not – I don't quote me on that. I don't don't know Cody Ware's personal relationships. But, yeah, that's, that's a rough story. Not a good look for NASCAR in general. Um, we don't get many stories like this. There's not that many things that come across. With, of all the other sports out there, NASCAR has the least negative press when it comes to its athletes. And right. yeah. very, very proud of that. You know, we don't... If we get the, the, the dude that gets uh, arrested for drugs, it's like once every 10 years. I can name like only only two of them off the top of my head. I know is Shane Mill and Jeremy Mayfield. Like that's the yeah. only two I know. I can't even think of anybody else. I saw. I, I think I know two drunk driving cases off the top of my head. One of them's Kurt Busch, and one of them was Rob Moroso. And that's an old name, Rob Moroso. I don't even know who that it's, is. It's an idiot. It's an absolute idiot. He was he a uh, young kid that had a lot of a lot of potential in the late eighties, early nineties. He drove this blue and white number twenty, and he went out and uh, drove drunk one night and killed somebody. So he got locked up. I'm I'm not sure exactly if I'm not sure if he died in that crash or not. I want to say oh, he wow. might have actually, but. Yeah, he. That's the only what only reason why you would even know him is because you watched uh, NASCAR back then. That's pretty much because NASCAR will never talk about that idiot. You know, kind of right. like somebody in wrestling that nobody will ever talk about. You know, so yeah. and like this deal here, I can't think of any other like relationship abuse cases in nascar this is like one of the only ones i know of you know and i know this kind of stuff is so prevalent in all the other sports you see it in basketball and football and everything 
you know, it's constantly there. It's like every single year, there's at least one new one popping up of uh, domestic abuse in, in NFL. Yeah. Every single year there is. You know, how many of these college kids go out into a bar in NCAA uh, football and get into a fight and pull a gun on somebody or something? You know, I mean, it's, that crap happens every single year. It's just the stuff doesn't happen with NASCAR drivers. And it's really it's really refreshing to be part of a sport where that kind of stuff doesn't happen. So when this does happen, it makes pretty big headlines because it's just something we don't see all the time. Right. Did you, one more thing and, and then we'll move on. <laughs> did you see his excuse as to why he did this? I didn't. Um, he blamed, he said it was because he suffers from depression and anxiety. Okay. And I would like to just, Welcome to 2023, baby, because I you show me one person that does not have any sort of depression or anxiety issues, and I will show you a liar because that's all of us. Like, you know, I do the same thing, and I have never once thought about, oh, no. you know, yeah. physically harming like, anyone. I, I, I know for a fact I have uh, some very high anxiety, but on top of that, I might have a touch of bipolar the way I act sometimes. I mean, I, I, it runs in my family. I might have a touch of bipolar. And it just, uh, it never crosses my mind to do anything violent. Like, right. I know I'm being unreasonable. I know I'm being upset at nothing and and just can't get out of this funky attitude I'm in. You know, it's just awful, awful, like, cloud over my head all the time when it comes, when I get in that that mood. I'm aware of it completely. I just can't make myself get out. But violence never came to my mind. You know, right. so you got you just you got to take ownership of that mess. Which I mean, Especially he just got suspended. Like, so, well, yeah, I mean, he's, and for anybody that doesn't know, his father runs his race team mm -hmm. that that he races on. Um, I thought it was very interesting as someone who used to be in law enforcement. His bond was only $3,000. So he's no longer in jail. Mm. He probably didn't. It was probably honestly a, a book and release type of thing. Like, Hey dad, I need you to come, you know, whatever. But a lot of people were pretty upset with NASCAR because during the broadcast at Bristol dirt, they were talking about how Cody Ware needed a, uh, personal issues or whatnot. And I don't remember Mike joy saying thoughts and prayers to him. Uh, I don't think well, he did, I don't think but so a lot either. of a lot of people are saying that, you know, oh, thanks NASCAR for making us have our thoughts and prayers to someone who did this. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I, I never heard them say that. So I don't know if that was like a, what do you call that? Like a, uh, not a doppel, doppelganger, but, uh, something effect. What's You're not talking about Mandela effect, are you? Mandela <laughs> effect. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. But a lot of people think that NASCAR was trying to get thoughts and prayers, and I don't, I don't know. I never heard that. I wonder if Fox even knew. You know, I don't know. Even not well. I mean, NASCAR had um, NASCAR had to have known why he wasn't in the car. But I wonder if Fox I, knew. I don't know because I feel like if NASCAR knew the situation, I don't think they would even try to bring any sort of a spotlight to that because saying that like, Oh, Cody Ware is going to be, you know, absent because of personal issues. Okay. 
like I feel like that's too much of a spotlight. That's gonna have people like, well, what personal issues? Like, is he okay? Is it you know whatever? If maybe they were just saying, hey, Cody Ware is absent, and in his place it's Matt Crafted. You know what though? If Fox did know, kudos for them for not jumping the gun and reporting it before it actually got reported by all the real news outlets. Because absolutely. I didn't hear anything about it during the race, but I sure heard about it on like uh, NASCAR race hub or whatever show that they have out now. I I saw them mention it on there. They sure talked about it at length. They had a whole segment about it. About him getting in trouble and why he was getting in trouble. They they, they went into detail about what happened. So that that also makes me think if they did know, then, you know, they were being responsible as a, where they weren't just jumping the gun and reporting something live during the race, trying to beat everybody right. out there to report it. Uh, maybe that's just part of NASCAR. Maybe NASCAR's, you know, these big companies like this that, that strictly report on NASCAR. I'm not talking about all the rumor mill people and stuff like that on Twitter, but are the people that like to stir up junk in the garage. Um, maybe these people just, they, they don't, it isn't about beating somebody to the story. I mean, everybody's going to get the story. You're going to get to the places you want to go to read it, you know, to watch it. You know, I mean, who cares if you first or Fox really didn't know and they just report it when everybody else did. You know, could be either way. Uh, Can you think of any more news off the top of your head? Or we covered just about Uh, all. Yeah. I have a couple news. We already said uh, Chase Elliott's coming back next uh, this weekend at Martinsville. But uh, have you been kind of keeping track of the uh, NASCAR 75 greatest drivers? Not really. Um, I, just because I don't really think it matters. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Back, I want to say it was back in like 2008. They compiled a list of 50 all-time nascar drivers and now for, for the 75th year they're adding you know 15 more and i'm gonna read you some names and i want you to, to tell me if you agree or disagree because there's a couple that i'm not quite well, sure of the first it one encompasses all of nascar correct not just the cup correct yeah, yeah. okay so tony stewart yeah yeah 100 I mean, he's a three-time champion that. isn't he Yes, yes. Ab- absolutely. He's a cup champion. One of, I mean, even outside of NASCAR, he was an IRL. I don't know. Did he win the IRL championship? Yeah, he I did. Mean, not only in NASCAR, one of the greatest drivers ever, honestly. Right. Yeah, 100%. What about Casey Kane? I could see that. Um, I mean, it's, it's a deep field if you're going 75, right? Uh, I, I could see it. There was a point there where Casey Kane was, he was on fire. Yeah, but no Daytona 500s, no championships. Well, yeah, it depends, you know, on, like, it, it, it depends on your criteria. If you're going straight up like stats, right. it's like, I don't know. It's kind of like, uh, it's like Tim Richmond. Would you put Tim Richmond in the 75 greatest drivers? I would. I Oh, see, I i mean, short uh, career. Uh, he doesn't have the stats, but man, he was he was such a better driver than so many other people out there. If you're looking at better I, driver, Tim Richmond is in the top five. 
I agree with that. I think Casey Kane is a stretch, but I I'm okay with it. They're also probably looking at I, I, they got to be looking at all their stuff outside of NASCAR though. They have to. Well, with this next name, they definitely are. With uh, what about Mike um, Stefanik? Modified driver. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I mean, he's yeah, modified champion. Absolutely. I mean, he's one of the most. Isn't he like one of the most winningest drivers in modifieds? Like, yeah. I mean, and NASCAR owns the modified series. Yeah, I I'm gonna say no on this one. (laughs) Even though even though Mike uh, Stefanik is a NASCAR Hall of Famer, which cool. Um, I I don't know, and it's nothing against him. Like I think he's one of the absolute best modified drivers in the world like you know i mean no discredit to him but when i think of nascar i think of nascar cup series i think of xfinity and trucks i don't even think of arca right now because if that's the case where's frank kimmel you know or whatever but i don't know i'm mike stefanik is a little bit too much of a reach for me but what about what about randy lejoy and that all depends on where you're taking his name from. Because in the Bush series, yeah. I mean, he's one of the best Bush drivers there was. Of yeah. all time, right? I mean, it, yeah. I, I, it's hard for me to list Bush series drivers. I mean, Xfinity, the same thing. But when he was driving his Bush, uh, I, yeah. I mean, when I think of uh, that era of Bush drivers, you're thinking of Mark Martin. You're thinking of Sam Ard. See, I'm not even thinking of Sam Ard. I'm thinking more like Jeff Green. Jeff Green, yeah. yeah. He, God, I hated seeing that dang Nesquik 10 car out there. He just won everything. Oh, that reminds me of Scott Riggs. Yeah, but um, Jeff Green was the first one I remember in that car. And he won everything. Like Robert Presley, he won a lot in that black and gold 59 car. Um, I mean, I can see Randy LaJoy with that. Yeah, no, I have no problem with Randy LaJoy because when I think of Xfinity series, I think of third best of all time. I feel like is Randy LaJoy. Second is Mark Martin tied with Sam Ard. And of course the greatest of all time is Kyle Busch. And if Kyle Busch is not in the top 75, then there's he's going to be in the top 10, dude. Don't worry about that. Well, I mean, um, like the, yeah. I mean, I don't think this is going in any sort of specific order because they already have the top 50 and they're just adding 15 more names mm-hmm. to it. Uh, but yeah, if Kyle Busch is not in this, because they're going to keep on announcing drivers up until Darlington, and then we should know what the other 15 drivers are. If if Kyle Busch is not in that, I don't know. And I would love to see Buckshot Jones too, but I, that's just me being I fired. don't think Buckshot's going to make it. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> you don't know that. Just like S.A. Rios is going into the WWE Hall of Famer as the headline in 2024. Marco. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I can see them. There's arguments for and against everybody there. I can see right. it. I mean, it, it, this isn't going to really... I'm not going to lose sleep over a modified champion. The, the original nascar series by the way the first nascar series the, yeah the nascar modified series that's the very first form of nascar 
I'm not going to um, lose any sleep over a modified champion, one of the best modified drivers ever, being in the 75 best drivers in NASCAR. I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. So, right. I mean, it is what it is. And you start putting, you know, Bubba Wallace in there, we're going we're gonna to have a conversation. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I have one more bit of news that popped up today, which shouldn't be no, um, really shouldn't be no surprise to anyone. But uh, as of 3 p.m. today, uh, Chase Elliott has officially been granted a waiver for the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. On one hand, they're sticking it to Hendrick, taking their points away. On the other hand, they're letting Chase Elliott get into the playoffs as long as he wins a race with an injury that happened outside of the sport. I don't, I don't understand what NASCAR is doing, but I know a lot of people are like, cool. That's, you know, he, he deserves it. It's like, um, no, he was skiing. I mean, it ain't like he got hurt in a race car. He could have right. not done that. He could have not, he right. could have not went skiing. And, broke his leg i mean i don't know I, I, me personally that's how i feel I don't yeah no i don't i don't agree with it whatsoever i don't think he should have been granted a um a waiver uh just because it wasn't like you said it wasn't a racing thing it wasn't a nascar thing you know kyle bush 2015 he breaks his leg in the xfinity series the day before the daytona mm -hmm. 500 that's you know, and that does it's not just Kyle Bush. If that was God forbid happened to Joey Logano or Denny Hamlin or whoever, you know, insert cup series driver name here, I would still feel the same way, you know, like but breaking your legs, skiing just hours before qualifying. Yeah, nah, what are you doing? Why aren't you so. at the racetrack? Like, right. Like be with your car. I know you're a million, <laughs> I know you're a millionaire and you're only like twenty six or something, but like come on like at least just i don't know just be be a little bit more focused yeah i mean i would have looked at that situation as okay you were where before qualifying just hours before qualifying you were over there you're gonna private jet back to the track just in time to make qualifying why weren't you at the track with your team you were that selfish to go off and do something like that and not be with your team and prepare for qualifying and be here no, you're not getting your waiver. That's and, you know, that kind of, you know, and, yeah, I, I spot on. Like, I 100% agree with you because it kind of goes back to you think of Rusty Wallace, you think of Dale Earnhardt, you think of Mike Skinner, and these are guys that are working on their cars day in, day in and day out. And then you have, like, the new drivers of, like, you know, the Noah Gregson, who you got everybody knows Noah Gregson is not – you know, under that car changing transmissions. He's not doing any of that because he's too busy on social media. Same way with Haley Deegan and, and, you know, chase, uh, chase Elliott. I don't even think William Byron does that, but like, I don't know that for a fact, but I mean, come on. I mean, the, the, the talent it's just, I think we have a completely different definition of talent in 2023 than we did in the 1980s. Yeah. Uh, 80s, early 90s, maybe up to the mid 90s or so. It was, not, it was talent and knowledge together yes. with everything. Nowadays, it's just strictly people can drive cars. 
you know, and that's all they do. I mean, if that's all the teams want them to focus on, then sure. I mean, that's, that is what it is. I don't, it's like, I don't think Jeff Gordon ever got underneath the car and started changing shocks or anything like that, you know, but I sure yeah. know Rusty Wallace used to do that. Dale Earnhardt used to do that. Alan Kowicki used to do that. He owned the whole car. You know, I mean, people did do that kind of stuff, but that, I think that knowledge helped them out in different ways than today's talent does. Now, instead of doing that, they're at the shop. Instead of learning how the car actually works, they're on the sim. You right. know, learning a computer, a digital version of the track that they're going to be going to race at, which, I mean, it's good to hit your marks, but and you can test these setups, I guess, but it's not an actual it's not an actual simulation of what's going to happen out there. There's only one way you can do that. That's to get your car out there on the racetrack. You know, it's not there yet. It, I don't know. I think me and you have the same opinion on this. For 100%. 100%. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the Fantasy Cup, and we're going to go into uh, a little bit of Bristol talk this week. Uh, before we go... I want you to uh, go to skinnymixers.com, check them out. They have lots of syrups for coffees and mixed drinks, alcoholic beverages, stuff like that. All, most of them, sugar-free, some of them came to the keto diet. I use them every day. My wife uses them every day. We have a, a pantry full of them right now, probably about eight or nine different bottles. I'm drinking something right now with a skinny mix in it. So something we use every day, go check them out. And at checkout, uh, use code MARBLES. And you can get 10% off your first order. So go check it out. The following announcement has been paid for by the Pulling Up a Chair podcast. Tim here, host of the Pulling Up a Chair with a Chair Shop podcast. If you're a fan of wrestling figures and the artists that take them to the next level, then I've got a favor to ask of you. Come check out my podcast, Pulling Up a Chair. Each episode, I sit down and talk to figure customizers, figure photographers, set builders, figure collectors, podcasters, and even pro wrestlers. Just search out Pulling Up a Chair with a Chair Shot wherever you get your podcasts, and I hope you'll join me next time right here on Pulling Up a Chair. So how do you make a commercial about something so random? I don't know. You make it pretty random. That's right. So if you enjoy lots of random stuff like food or top fives. Random facts. Dirty facts. I try to keep them clean. She tries. Uh, But come listen to Tales from the Estate. We have lots of fun. We try to drop shows every week. Try. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. The The kids are a bear. They are. Uh, but yeah, come listen. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. So this week in the Fantasy Cup, we had a contest race. We had a prize race. Yes. Uh, winners got put into a pool for a free in the marbles t-shirt. And I, if you missed it, the drawing is on uh, our Facebook in the Marbles Fantasy Cup page. Uh, we did have winners. We had three winners, actually. It was uh, Jessica, Josh, 
Was that the other winner? I could. Yeah, Jessica brain, Josh. Brain fart. I, have, so I apologize, Josh. Jessica, <sighs> Josh, and Drew. All the J names. You know, they, all these J yeah. names, they, they all won. Um, so the best way I could figure to do it was to write the names down on slips of paper. And I realized after I recorded that all the names were backwards on the paper. So smart <laughs> on my end. I didn't know Facebook Live swapped the video like that. But I'll know next time and I'll know just to turn them up, you know, inside out and you can see them. But the best way I could think to do was uh, since it was right after Easter, we had a bunch of Easter eggs and I picked out three that were the same color and the same size. And I put them in those and I took my old racing helmet. And I mean, this is, literally has tear offs and dirt from 12 years ago on the racetrack, maybe longer than that, honestly. Um, but I took my old racing helmet and just dug around and picked one of them at random and drew was the random selection to win the free in the marbles t-shirt <laughs> i did everything i could to make it as transparent as possible <laughs> no i'm super happy for drew he definitely deserves it uh he and i have had conversations about our each other's t-shirts and stuff so this is really cool and i'm really happy that drew was able to get that he also got a couple of uh he also got a couple of shirts for his kids too. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Really, awesome. really cool. I mean, like he got them like separately. I obviously oh. I got uh, his shirt and mailed it right off to him. I, I ordered it and it's on its way right now. But separately, he went and picked up a couple of shirts for the kids. So that was really really cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So this race, me and you picked Kyle Larson. And that didn't work out. <laughs> no, it sure didn't. And you know what? So I all week long, and just for the people that are involved with this fantasy cup, I want you guys to understand I am so emotionally invested in this to a point where I am losing sleep at night, pulling my hair out, trying to do the numbers of who I should pick so I can start winning some of these races. And I, the whole week I was going between uh, Joey Logano and um, uh, Kyle Larson. The whole I was just back and forth. Twenty minutes later, it was a different. It was Joey Logano. Twenty minutes after that, it was Kyle Larson. I could not make up my mind. And you know what pushed me over the edge? Hmm. Your <laughs> tweet. Oda, you said. Do you remember what you tweeted? You said. The time is now. Time to pick Larson. And I said, you know what? <laughs> I trust him. He's been having a real good, solid year. If so, it is going Larson. You know what? This week I am too. And you know what? It wouldn't have mattered because Joey yeah. finished dead last. And Kyle Larson finished <laughs> one spot above him. So I was pretty – I was screwed from the get-go. <laughs> See, I was thinking about going back-to-back -back Christopher Bell. I actually was thinking about doing it because I picked Christopher Bell at the last track at, uh, I guess it was Richmond. See, I picked him there yeah. and he came across fourth or fifth, something like that. I think it was fourth. And I was like, maybe I'll go back to back. I hate to waste all my Christopher Bell picks right here at the beginning. <sighs> I should have just went back to back. I mean, I'd be the points leader right now if I just went back to back, but it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Whatever. Um, I might be the points leader. Kinda, I don't know how that would shook out. 
Yeah, it, uh, you kind of did what I did because I chose Larson for Coda. He finished 14th, and then he, the next week at Richmond, he wins, mm. and I picked Alex Bowman, and kind of the same thing. Uh, but yeah, I it's man, I'm frustrated. I'm real frustrated. I'm trying my best in the first half of the year to kind of spread everybody out, so I can really pile up the uh, the chase contenders or the playoff contenders at the end of the year. Yeah. It's it's tough because I feel like it I'm is. sacrificing some in the first half of the year, even though Kyle Larson shouldn't have been a sacrifice pick. But I feel like I'm sacrificing some stuff in the first half of the year to gain a lot in the back half. That's what I feel like I'm doing. But I don't know. We'll see how that works out. Do you happen to have the current point standings? Yes, I do. And I'll tell you what, Caitlin Vinsel and I had a conversation about us picking Larson. And I'm just about done with that. <laughs> I have one more spot with Larson. He might just get picked this week just to get him out of my playoff or out of my my uh, bags of drivers that I can pick because I'm done with Kyle Larson. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, absolutely. So the 2023 in the Marbles uh, Fantasy Cup point standings after Bristol Dirt. Justin is going to extend his point standings lead uh, by 36 points with two wins. You and Drew are both tied for second, 36 points behind. You have two wins. Drew has that one win. Uh, John Brown is fourth. He is 40 points back. Billy is top five, and he is 52 points back. Jessica, with her one win, has moved up to sixth. In the point standings, 56 points back. Matt has one win. He's seventh. Uh, he is 63 points back. Oh, I lost my place. <laughs> uh, Caitlin is in eighth with one win. She's 65 points back. Josh is a setting ninth with one win, 71 points back. I haha, am somehow still in the top 10, setting 10th with one win at 79 points behind. <sighs> Thoughts and prayers <laughs> to me. Uh, RJ will be 11th. Uh, one wasn't, win. 90 wasn't points he back. tie for the points lead at one point? Well, him and just uh, him and Justin were pretty much yeah. identical for the first like, six. Yeah, and now he's all the way out of the top ten, which it's, that's the that's the name of the game. How fast right? things can change. Nobody get discouraged by any means. So fast. Yeah, absolutely. So RJ is setting 11th. Uh, Nicole is setting 12th. And she is 111 points back, which, once again, do not get discouraged because it's coming. Uh, Rock is 13th. Tim is 14th with one win. Our friend Joe is 15th. And Jody is 16th. Yeah, that's... um. I was really thinking that the points would tighten up this week. But, in fact... The only thing that tightened up was everybody from second on back. Yeah, and you know what? Jody actually dropped a big bombshell. He announced that he is indeed coming back next season for <laughs> round two. He's told me several times that next season is going to be his season, which he still has enough time to make this season his season. He was flirting with a win a couple weeks ago, uh, but he will be, in fact, 
back in the 2024 in the Marvel's Fantasy Cup Series next season. So the coming up race at Martinsville will not be a prize race, just strictly points, just based on uh, whatever happens on the racetrack and to the point standings. There's no prizes or anything like that. The next race is Talladega after that. Talladega will be our one-year anniversary. Not only yes. that, it will be episode 53, which is a very important number to me personally. We are going to be giving away a prize for somebody who could possibly win that Talladega race, either random drawing of the winners or the one winner that ends up winning. And if nobody wins, nobody wins. You know, that prize will move on to another race. But yeah, the one-year anniversary, fit episode 53, Talladega Super Speedway, in the Marvel's Fantasy Cup race, we'll have a prize, and we will announce that prize next week. It is a prize that Drew is donating, and it is an awesome prize. Ooh, I can't wait for it to get shipped to my <laughs> house because it's going to have a good home for sure. Well, I won the last one Drew put up, so I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's just, it's got my name written all over it, right? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, let's it's, be honest. I'm not winning. It's nothing. my home track, too. I mean, it's this true. is I've been to this track more than any other NASCAR track out there. You know, even if I don't go to the actual race itself, you know, I've been to other NASCAR tracks. But I've been to this track probably four times without a race going on and probably about eight or ten times with a race going on. Like, I go to this track a lot, you know. <laughs> Um, we were debating whether or not we we're going to go this this spring, but the kids actually have flag football games that day, so we're going to stay in. You know, well, we could go to the Sunday race, but we were actually thinking about just going up there on Saturday and looking at all the really cheap diecasts across the street and going to the uh, Arca and Xfinity. I believe is what's going to be there that day. Uh, we were thinking about doing that, but. Uh, kids have some football games. We'll just we'll just stick around and watch it in HD. You know, I want. I bet you, if you ask your kids whether they want to go play football or go to an NASCAR race at Talladega, I'm I am almost fairly confident of their answer. They're on the same team this year. They're going to play football. Colin no. sick. <laughs> Is that? Can you do that? Two people on their team would be completely gone. Out of like an eight eight man roster. Right, but like, just tell them that they're no, sick or something. No, they they like that way too much. I mean, I yeah. I hate that their their first game actually got rained out last week, and I'm gonna miss their game this week because I'm working. I hate that I'm not gonna get to see their first game together, but um, pro eventually I'll be able to see a game for them anyway. I guess it'd be Talladega weekend because when I see their game. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck to them. But let's talk about Bristol Dirt for a second. In my opinion, it's the best race of the year so far. I know you say California, and I understand that. Um, but this was so much fun. Uh, 100%. <laughs> I like you said, I would still rank Auto Club above Bristol Dirt, but Bristol Dirt was spot on. A really, really fun race. I have a little bit different of a of an opinion of it as you do, but the I mean, the main course of it is it was a fantastic race. I think every year 
Bristol gets this track better and better. Like the first year, yeah, it was really muddy. And um, also, I think dusty and muddy at the same time, if that's possible. It was just, it was a mess. The first year, it was a mess. It was, a, it was, it actually was more of a novelty just to see the cup guys on dirt. Right. The second year, the track was really good. They got the track a lot better and they changed it to a night race and it, and it cut down the visibility issues a whole lot. And right. they put on a pretty good race then and had a wild finish at the end. So a lot of people are like, okay, you know, it's, it's getting there. It's, it's really getting there. And this year, man, the track was perfect. I mean, there are dirt tracks across this, the permanent dirt tracks across this country that would kill to have a track like that. You had like, yeah, you had like a rut in the middle of one of the turns, but my track has that, my, my track when I raced, it had that every single week. You know, there's a permanent track. They couldn't get rid of that stupid rut. I mean, right. there was one night it flipped, uh, I think four or five sprint cars over the oh course my. of the race. And they eventually just canceled the whole evening because of it. Because the sprint cars refused to go back out there and race until they fixed it. And so they just canceled it the whole night. You know, I mean, it, that rut was was there and it was rough, but it wasn't tearing up junk. You know, it was just something you had to work with. That's how dirt tracks are, you know, just something you have to work with on the track. Every dirt track has that. It's called character, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Everything gets developed through the different uh, stages of the night, you know, when the track dries out and or they add water to it. And it just it the track changes constantly, and you saw that all night long. The groove wound up being all the way up against the wall at the end of it, but that wasn't the only groove. That was just where the fast guys were running at the end of the race. They were more more or less using that wall to turn around the racetrack uh, to keep the right wrist straight, and there were easily four different racing lanes on this racetrack. When was the last time you could ever say Bristol had four lanes to race on? Which is bizarre to me, but that's, you know, part of it. It was fantastic racing literally all night long. I, I know your opinion on it being at Bristol and forgive me. Mac has decided he's going to take that <laughs> little bit. He's got and just fling it all over the place. So that's all that noise you hear, but I know your opinion on it being at Bristol. I don't think you're against NASCAR cup guys on dirt in general. You would like to see it somewhere else, correct? So, yeah, I would love to see NASCAR. I, I don't, don't get me wrong. I love dirt racing just as much as I love NASCAR. And all I want is good racing, whether it's on dirt, whether it's on asphalt, concrete, whatever. Um, I want to see NASCAR Cup Series drivers on dirt. I want to see them racing for points mm -hmm. on dirt. Uh, I think <clears throat> I don't know if I would go as far as saying it was uh, what did uh, Davenport say? It was a novelty. Yeah, I'm going to get into him in just a minute. Um, But I, I so I started thinking about this and as much as I would love to see a NASCAR Cup Series point race, if it, if they're going to do it on dirt, you know, my first thing was Eldora. Let's go to Eldora or Knoxville. 
But the more I think about it, the more if NASCAR Cup Series wants to go dirt racing once a season, once a year, it almost has to be at dirt uh, at Bristol, uh, simply because Eldora, you know, holds maybe I don't know thirty thousand yeah. people, maybe, but Bristol can hold thirty three hundred thousand people. Bristol has the you know where you can fit thir- what. Uh, 36 haulers or transporters like we have that that area you know at bristol if we go to eldora we don't have space for 36 different trailers or, or haulers uh same way with knoxville same way with uh, lakeside anywhere else we just don't have that type of space to work with so i feel like it has to my thing about this race and i am not dogging this race i think this race was spot on it was fun it was entertaining it was good it was it wasn't bad however nascar had to make major now i would say major um some modifications to the car like the um the oh my gosh the underneath of the car what's that called uh the, I don't know. You're talking uh, about the, the whole plate going underneath it, the diffuser or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, that's it. Yes, the diffuser. Uh, NASCAR had to take pretty much the whole underwing with the diffuser off these cars because these cars, and now here's, here's where I'm going to start upsetting people. These race cars were not meant to be raced on dirt. And that's okay because NASCAR, when they were spending these millions and millions of dollars on this next-gen project i can almost guarantee you they did not not one of them sat there and said you know what this car is going to work perfectly on concrete and um asphalt and it's going to work really good at bristol dirt if that was the case we wouldn't have had to take the underneath of the car off but with that being said the only the only thing I want NASCAR, I'm totally cool with cup drivers racing for points on dirt. I'm totally okay with the thought of having it at Bristol every single season. That's I'm beyond that. That's cool. If that's the direction we're going, clearly I have no say in what <laughs> NASCAR wants to do. Um, however, the one thing I plead, I play pledge, play, plead, plead with NASCAR Um give us dirt racing suspension because what I saw and the biggest takeaway I had, which is not that big of a takeaway because the racing was so good. The only thing I could compare this to was if I went to my local Chevy dealership and bought a 2023 Chevy Camaro and entered it that night at my local dirt track, it just, it would be trash. It would. That's not what that car is made for. NASCAR made this next gen car for concrete, for pavement racing. It doesn't like to me, it, it's not a, a little bit. And I'm trying to like, <laughs> I'm trying to make it. I'm not trying to like swallow my own words, but it, it was for all the literal purposes. Yes. It was a dirt track race because there was dirt on a racetrack and they raced. However, I believe what we saw this past weekend was a dirt track stock car race. Mm-hmm. And if that's how you're going to look at it, it was fantastic. It was spot on a plus 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 it. These cars are not dirt cars at all, but for what it was worth, it was fantastic. Well, I agree with that. Like if you go <clears throat> to me, it's all the class, 
right? It's all classes. Um, you have this elitist attitude from people like Davenport, right? I, I don't know where the heck they get the, the big head they get get it from, but I saw it when I when I was racing the front wheel drive class too. I mean, I, I saw it out there in the pits because my, my class was relatively new. This cup car on dirt is relatively new. It's three years old, right? So you get this elitist attitude from people. And usually it's the people driving the late models, the modified drivers. They don't seem to care too much street stocks. They don't care. It's the mod. It's the uh, late model drivers. It's those are the ones that have the big head about what they, what they do. And yeah, you have different classes. It's all dirt racing. I mean, it's all dirt racing. That's a, it's the stupidest thing to say. This isn't real dirt racing. Yes. Shut up. It's all dirt yeah. racing. What I did was dirt racing. You know, I mean, I, right. I drove my, like my hardest against 25 other people out there in a car that wasn't designed to do what it's doing and made it work on dirt. And right. we had a blast doing it. And I, I willingly went out there every single weekend to do it. And it, it was just a front wheel drive four cylinder car. And then you have the next class up. Those cars aren't designed to do this either. They're eight cylinder real wheel drive cars, you know, like Monte Carlos and, Oh Lord, uh, Butte Regals, things like this. They're not designed. To, you think they designed that 84 Monte Carlo, 84 Buick Regal or whatever it is to race on a dirt track. They didn't design it for that. Absolutely it's designed not. for the street. You know, I mean, NASCAR modified that car for what they wanted to do. But in some of these classes, you're not allowed to modify the car. You telling me all those drivers out there are not dirt racing? I mean, they absolutely are. And then you go and you get like a, a Legends car. Is a Legends car designed to be a dirt track, dry, dirt track car? I don't think so. You know, it's designed to be a race car at least. But... Right. You see those things on these little flat, you know, infield tracks at Charlotte and Atlanta and Texas and stuff like that all the time. But they race on dirt, too. And I don't know if that's their if they're better on dirt than they are on asphalt. I don't think they are. You know, but I'm saying class after class, you eventually get to the point where these cars are completely custom made from ground up specifically to make that left-hand corner on dirt as fast as it possibly can. Right. And that's, that's just not all dirt racing. That's not all real dirt racing. That's, that's an elitist attitude you have because you have spent so much money on this car. You can't fathom in your mind that somebody can spend $2,000 on their car and you spent 40000 on your car, and they are a dirt track racer, and so are you. Right. That's Davenport's problem. You know, that's that you have no idea how badly that ticked me off hearing his interview post race. And he can say he had fun and it was, it was a great experience and all that. But when he says this is more of a novelty than an actual race, screw him. Don't come back. I mean, why would you, why would you say that? You know, it's not real right. dirt racing. Uh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. You just can't do it. 
you're just not good enough to take your talent into this car and do what Christopher oh. Bell can do. Christopher Christopher right. Bell can race all those other cars on dirt too, and he can also do it in this car. You can't. That's. I mean, I get what you're coming from. Like, I get it. Davenport won two million dollars in that dirt late model last year alone. Mm -hmm. I agree. He he can't That's... get it done on in the Cup Series. <laughs> Well, I'll, okay, so let we can. I think we can agree with this. Jonathan Davenport is one of the greatest, if not, well, I won't, I'm not gonna say the greatest because Scott Bloomquist, I mean, is Kyle Larson just beat him like the, the day before Bristol Dirt. So, with the grossest <laughs> pass I think I have ever seen in my life, and he did it again in, at Bristol Dirt with Ryan Priest, and it kind of backfired on him. But uh, I, I think we can agree with saying Jonathan Davenport is one of the greatest dirt late model drivers of all time. But when it comes to a dirt track stock car race, he's not as talented. He can't. Yeah. If, if he has to make that car do things it's not designed to do, he can't do it. He can only drive these cars that, that are actually designed to do what he's doing. That's 100%. I am spot mm -hmm. on with you. 100%. It takes a special driver to be like Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, all dang Austin Dillon with him being up there like that. It takes a yeah. Stenhouse too. It takes a special driver to be able to jump in cars on dirt and all these other series, whether it be sprint modified late model, and then jump in this cup car that is not designed to do anything that those cars are designed to do suspension wise, aerodynamic wise, anything and still run up front. That's something Davenport can't say he can do. And I think that's his biggest problem. I think, I think he got so humbled during that race that he realized he couldn't do this, that he, in his mind, he had to twist it into saying, well, it's really not a race though. Because otherwise, I mean, he's facing the fact that he's not as good as he thinks he is. Yeah, I, I don't, I, he ain't listening to this. I don't care. Even if he does, I don't care. I mean, <laughs> seriously, that didn't tick yeah. you off to hear an outsider come in and say, this is more of a novelty than an actual race. It's not real dirt racing either. Don't, so, don't, don't invite him back. It didn't, to be completely honest with you, it didn't really bother me at the time when he said it, because I didn't think he was too far off, especially when Kyle Larson, who we've said his name several times talking about dirt racing, like Kyle Larson knows what he's doing. Kyle Larson kind of said the exact same thing. Now race winner, Christopher Bell, who is along those lines of Kyle Larson and Jonathan Davenport, you know, they asked him if, you know, uh, the media asked him if he enjoyed Bristol dirt, you know, last year, the year before this year. And surprisingly, you would think that he just won this race. He would be like, oh, I love this, whatever. He really wasn't too excited about it either. So that's why I didn't take Davenport, uh, his words to heart 
because I felt like maybe he just chose the wrong words, but maybe he was on the right track. Like sitting here saying that it, it's not a real dirt race, that's a little iffy. Like, I mean, it's the same concept. I understand and I agree with the fact that these cars aren't made to be on dirt, to race on dirt, but for what it's worth, it was one hell of a show. You know, the whole time I have raced on dirt, I never actually drove a car that was specifically built for a dirt track. Like, even the vintage car I drove, which was basically a, it was basically a Monte Carlo with a fiberglass body. It, I mean, I, I had tires that were designed for dirt, but the suspension was it was a pretty stock suspension. Like a, it's a racing suspension, but it was a pretty stock suspension. I didn't have any of that modified late model technology that lifts the, 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 you know, lifts up the, uh, I guess it'd be the left front, you know, or carry yeah. the body over onto the right rear yeah. through, through a corner to help grip better. I, I didn't have any type of wing or anything to help with downforce. The, the vintage car was a handful to drive. There was no downforce and no special dirt suspension, and it had a lot of power. I feel like that's kind of what these cup cars are like, honestly. But I don't know. the The attitude. It's different to me when a regular says a cup regular says that they weren't really excited about this race, or they really didn't like this race, or they yeah i understand that it's something com uh, completely out of a lot of them's comfort zones and it's probably a lot of work to get these cars to work properly on this track you know to, to wheel the car around the way that they do like that especially have you know to be competitive i know eric jones was screaming on the radio i don't know what to do i can't pass anybody but everybody else is passing people they're four wide in the corner you know something's right but See, I understand that a regular not being thrilled about this race. I honestly wish they would add another one so they would take it more seriously and they would go out and get better at this. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they need to take, uh, they don't need to jump in late models. They don't need to jump in modifieds or sprints or anything like that. I think they need to get in street stocks hmm. and go to some of these local tracks and really learn how to do uh, do this dirt racing thing with street stocks. I feel like, or maybe even like the class I'm talking about, if they offer it, some kind of like really lightweight, high horsepower, low downforce class. I think that would get them ready for this. But also on top of it, I feel like they need uh, a dirt track package. Are you, you talking know? they as in NASCAR? NASCAR. Oh, 100%. If they can come, even, I mean, a dirt package is spot on. I would settle for a dirt racing suspension on these next gen cars. I feel like just that alone would, but I mean, the race that we saw was fantastic, but it would, I feel like it would have been way, way more close, well, you know, <clears throat> if they at least had the suspension. The only thing that concerns me about that is if when I go to a local dirt track, the best race all night long to me is usually one of the slowest classes. 
because you have these big full body cars and they're all these big beefy V8, you know, bomber or hog cars, or whatever you want to call them. They're all stock. They're not designed to be out there doing what they're doing. There's like 30 of them out there because it's the cheapest class. So everybody jumps out there. They run three and four wide around the tiniest little racetracks, beating and bang on each other. It always seems like that's the most fun race. And then a lot of races, it's not all of them. Some of them are really good, but usually it's like little small two-car battles if it is good. You go into the late model class or a sprint car class, and yeah, it's a spectacle to see these guys fly around this racetrack and all the the, the mud they're throwing up everywhere and, and how fast they're going and how loud they are and see the cars work, really, really work around the corner. But they're not going three and four wide every lap. You know, they're not beating a bang on each other. They're not, they, they don't have 30 of them out there usually on a weekly night. It's usually a big event they will. But usually, my, my tracks, we usually get about 12 or 13 maybe. You know, we don't have 30 of them show up every single week out here. Because we have so many tracks that run them, I guess. But to me, it always seemed like the higher up the class you got, the less exciting the actual racing product was. Okay, yeah. I mean, I can see that. Kind of like how at Talladega, when you speed the cars up to 210 miles an hour, they get stretched out. But when you slow them down to 185, they stay in a pack and stay side by side all the time. Right. You know, it's, it's that similar mindset. I almost don't want them to do too much to the car to make them handle so well on the start track because I kind of feel like I want to see a dirt track package where it gives them maybe a little bit more downforce or, you know, I don't know, something visual that we can see that, that says this is the dirt car. And it would make more sense if they made two of them in a year, like if they made another dirt track later on, but I don't want them to go crazy with it. I don't want to see a bunch of NASCAR looking late models, run around the racetrack if that makes any sense i kind of like right. the idea that these this is like the most throwback thing it's a big heavy stock car that's not designed to race on dirt racing on dirt just like it was in the 50s and the 60s right yeah absolutely and I'm for that i love it I, I love the weekend i love the race being you said it perfectly bristol is a perfect place for this yeah i mean it everything is set up for it you know, and you go to Knoxville or Eldora or something like that, you're gonna have to you have to work around some things. For and, sure. And uh yeah, this is like somebody was complaining on Easter Sunday, it was the worst day in the world to have this. Um, somebody was complaining that the grandsons were about forty percent full. Well, what's forty percent of three hundred thousand? Right. I mean, let's put things in perspective here. You wanna go to a to a permanent dirt track, yeah. How much, like you said, how much are they going to put there? Not uh, as many as they fit in this Bristol track that was only 40% capacity. Right. Yeah. I mean, 40% capacity at Bristol is twice, you know, I, I would yeah, have it's to like college twice. football stadium levels of yeah. people. So, yeah, people, I, I didn't understand some of the reaction I saw to this race on Twitter. Some, when it was over with, people were like, oh, good. I'm glad that's finally over with. Now we can get back to real racing next week. 
Martinsville. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the last few races at Martinsville? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, pull the, the Ross Chastain wall riding thing out of it. What's the most exciting thing that's happened at Martinsville the last two years? I mean, I, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I get it 100%. I'd rather have this every week than Martinsville, honestly. But, you know, that's uh, whatever. People can have their own opinions, even if they're wrong. Right. Man. Well, I think we, we talked enough about that. Christopher Bell won the race, by the way. Oh, yeah, by the way. Yeah, Christopher Bell won the race. Uh, uh, what do you think about Ryan Priest and, and uh, Kyle Larson? I would love to see them in a fight like UFC. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I kind of dig Ryan Priest not uh, standing down to anybody. I mean, he didn't he call a bunch of them hacks at the road course. Yeah, the other week, and and then this time around, he gets walled by uh, Kyle Larson. Who? Okay, I somebody on Twitter actually blocked me for having this opinion. I don't. I wouldn't even argue with the dude, but. Um, the next thing I know, the conversation ended and I looked and his tweet was gone because I couldn't respond to it. And it's like, oh, he blocked me two tweets into a conversation. He blocks me. That's okay. But, uh, I said that, uh, Kyle Larson kind of had that coming to him towards the end of the race there because like, yeah, he doored priests into the wall. And now, yeah, I think Priest did something like that later to somebody else, and it wound up damaging his car a little bit. Um, but that was a mad Ryan Priest, as opposed to someone that was not mad, like Kyle Larson. You know, like yeah. Kyle Larson did that because he's like, who I don't even, I probably can't even remember this kid's name. So who cares? Right. You know that there's just there was no respect there. And Ryan Priest knew that. He felt disrespected by that. And it showed in the interview when he, he got him back later, obviously. Ryan Priest got him back later. And then the five uh, claimed that he didn't have any uh, control over his car. Baloney. That's the Bubba Wallace excuse for that's him, exactly him getting wrecked. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, my steering broke. Let me just drive right into him real quick. So he drove all the way down the straightaway and priest just door slammed him he was like no <laughs> he door slammed him because he drove he drove him all the way down to the bottom of the turn like going into the turn and that sent kyle larson up into the wall uh if it wasn't for the fact that we picked him you know yeah it'd been a funny moment but uh kyle larson's interview at the end of the race he said that um I guess he was mad for whatever he thinks I, you know, whatever I did to him earlier. I don't even remember something like that. That's the point. That's the whole point. That's Ryan Priest's point right there. And I think he, I think he made it, but I don't think Kyle Larson understood the point. The point wasn't the fact that, that he got wrecked. The point was the lack of respect that he was showing out there. That, that was all of it. That was the whole reason behind why, you know, he sought Kyle Larson after that wreck was because he felt disrespected. Kyle Larson, he, he, Ryan Priest isn't a regular up front. And he was up front and having a really good day. And Kyle Larson just said, 
I don't know this dude. He just cut the door. Like he'll 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 give me he'll give me the room because uh you know he's he's not usually up here. I'm just gonna slam the door on him and he'll either you know get wrecked or he'll give me the give me the spot. No respect there. That early in the race. And I think Ryan Priest felt that. And that's what yeah. his deal was. One hundred percent. And this is a really, really important moment in the cup series career of Ryan priest. This is, you know, he's had mediocre rides his whole time that he was in cup series. This is the first opportunity, a real opportunity to have somewhat okay equipment with Stuart Haas racing. I mean, you have Kevin Harvick, who's a champion in that equipment. You know, you have whatever, like numerous, numerous wins. Uh, I think this was a really, really important moment in priest's career you know especially with a kyle larson so now i can almost guarantee you that nascar is going to have some sort of fine and penalty for for that uh on they hadn't yet right um but you know tomorrow's thursday and weird things happen on thursdays um i'm still waiting for that I, I hope that's not the case because I think Ryan Priest was just simply standing his ground. Uh, I think Kyle Larson, the way he's been racing pretty much this entire season, even dating back to when he put, I believe it was Chase Elliott in the wall at uh, uh, Fontana last year for the win. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like he's just been making a lot of really weird, questionable moves. And I think the field is starting to like, okay, listen, I don't know why Kyle Larson thinks that his stuff don't stink, but it certainly does. And I think, you know, Ryan priest, this was a moment where, yeah, if he was gonna, you know, let Larson have that spot, then not only Larson sees that, but you know, you see Alex Bowman sees that, Denny Hamlin sees that. So now you're gonna have way more people like, well, he's gonna he's gonna, you know, he ain't gonna throttle up, he's gonna give me the position. So I mean, good on Ryan Priest for sticking up for himself and kind of standing his ground, especially with a, a former NASCAR Cup Series champion like Kyle Larson. Um, real quick, because we're running a little long. Um, uh, what'd you think about the idea of letting the caution, uh, the slight, it's like turning, turning on your settings on NASCAR heat. Are the cautions strict? Are they, are they relaxed? What'd you oh. think of turning the relaxed cautions on? My goodness. Uh, I wasn't a fan of it. Honestly. I loved it. I loved it because they were, they were getting going. And there was no need to keep stopping this race. You know, they right. stopped it when they had to. Like, if somebody's obviously, if you got the pack coming at you, you're going to stop it. But I mean, if people doing three sixties in the middle of the field and they they get going, <laughs> and only lose like three or four spots. I mean, why are you throwing a caution? It's fine. Right. And like, I mean, as a race fan at that, at that point, I was just really kind of just hoping that the race would end. Um, so I can move on with my life, not saying that it was a bad race or anything. Uh, but you know, it kind of goes back to what I was saying a couple weeks ago and you hear me saying it all the time, consistency. I just kind of wish, and I know that dirt track racing, it has a, you have to have a little bit different, um, a little bit more leniency when it comes to spins or whatever the case may be, but yeah, I felt like NASCAR went local dirt track for a good part of this race because there was so much spinning going on at one point. They just said, you know what, if you're not stopped and in the way of somebody coming down, coming towards you, we're just going to let it go. 
And they did all the way up until the very end where Kyle Busch spun out coming to pit road. Like he spun out and ended up in pit road. They threw a caution for that mess. I have no idea why they threw I know why they threw a caution. They wanted to stack them up and get a restart with eight to go. I know why they want to do it. Right. But that's the inconsistent part that bothered the mess out of me with this race. It wasn't the fact that they changed from a real strict yellow because it happened right after McDowell did his 360 and kept going the first one. Yeah. And they threw a caution, but but then by the time the caution came out, he was already going down the, the track at full speed. Right. Like he did that so fast and they were so quick on the caution that it didn't need a caution. So at that point, NASCAR was like, you know what? There's been so many cautions for these little single car spins and they're getting moving pretty quick. Let's just see what happens. So they just stopped throwing the caution so much. And I loved it. It felt like a Saturday night race to me. Yeah. It, I mean, it really did. I can definitely see why NASCAR did that mid race. Like, okay, listen, we've had way too many cautions. Let's just see how it goes. Um, I get it. That's cool. Um, I feel like on pavement racing, I feel like that all of those wrecks or I say wrecks, all those spins would have been a caution all day. Oh yeah, it, it would have, it would have, but you don't have this many spins on pavement. That's true. You know, so you, you gotta, you have to adjust based on what's going on. You have to adjust on the fly. NASCAR does this every single year. They change the rules to everything. Every single, just about every single week, there's a rule change in NASCAR. And it, hap it happens that way. Just you, you adjust based on what you see and uh, you react. And that's what they did with this dirt race halfway through it. They just decided, you know, we're only going to throw the caution when we absolutely have to throw a caution. And I loved that they did that. But then they screwed it up by throwing a caution with Kyle Busch when he spun out and ended up on pit road. He wasn't even on the racetrack, and they threw the caution. They right. screwed that up and messed with the finish of this race because it looked like uh, Tyler Reddick was chasing Bell down, and they were going to have a fun little race at the end of this, this thing. And when they did that, all of a sudden, Ryan Blaney spins out on the restart right in the middle of the field, the middle of the front of the field. Right in the middle of the racetrack in the turn. He spun out. Nobody hit him. They didn't throw a caution. So Kyle Busch spinning out off a corner and coming all by himself and coming down the pit road got a caution. But Ryan Blaine spinning out at the front of the field in front, in front of everybody, right in the middle of the corner, didn't get a caution. That's the inconsistency that you're talking about. Yeah, 100%. That, that part bugged me this weekend. So you weren't you weren't a fan of them going back and forth like that, or you were okay with the relaxed yellows, or or, I, or what was your opinion on that? So I didn't like. I just want consistency. So if they were gonna go, and I know that they would have, they would not have understood that. Like they would not have known. Hey we're going to have a lot of yellows. We should just be relaxed from the start. I wish they would have thought about that. Now with them understanding like all this stuff for next season, if there is a dirt race next season, which normally they would announce it the day of um, Bristol dirt and they haven't done that yet. So I'm not completely entirely sure that we're going to have a dirt race uh, next season for the cup series race. But um I just now, if we do have that, at least they understand 
hey, we should just be relaxed from the start. And I think next year's product, if we do have a dirt race, is going to be the best one yet. Yeah, it's gonna have to. It's gonna have to work hard to beat this one this year. Right. This one was, God, it's it's one of my favorite races I've seen in a long time in NASCAR. It was just so much fun to watch throughout the entire field. I just, it, it reminds me of Bristol when they first reconfigured it. And all of a sudden you had people running three lanes around the racetrack. And that's when people all of a sudden start complaining about Bristol because it wasn't Bristol anymore. It, it was the first reconfiguration where before it was concrete, everybody had it at first. It was asphalt before then they turned concrete, but after the concrete stage of it, uh, the, the initial concrete stage where everybody just run the bottom. And the only way you could pass people was to knock them out of the way. Yeah. That's what everybody associated with Bristol from then on. It was get to their bumper, knock them out of the way and pass them. That's Bristol. That's why everybody, that's why it sold out and you had waiting lists. All of a sudden they changed that and made a progressive banking on it. So you had lanes. You could run three different lanes around Bristol. Right. And according to the stats, there was like 40 or 50% more passing throughout the entire field than any other Bristol race in history on that first race. And the fans complained about it because it took all the wrecks away. You know, so they quit, they quit renewing their season tickets. Yeah. You know, now there's no waiting list. There used to be a waiting list 10 years long when I was a kid for Bristol. Yeah. And now there's not, you can just walk up to the gate and buy a ticket to Bristol and it has nothing to do with dirt or concrete. It's just the fans got this jaded opinion about Bristol because they changed the tracks on, you know, and they, I think they've since kind of brought it back to the way it was but it's still not quite the same because you can still drift way up in the corner. Right. You know, on concrete now, not the dirt part of it. You can still drift pretty high up in the corner and come down and you can still take a different lane here and there. But when I was a kid, it was always around the bottom and that that's what people associate with Bristol with just knocking people out of the way. But anyway, I don't know why I mentioned all that. Let's talk about Martinsville real quick and we're going to get out of here. Um, you got any opinion about the race coming up this weekend? I'm always very excited when NASCAR goes to Martinsville. Uh, some things to expect, obviously, really long straightaways, really short, narrow, uh, slow turns. But I think the thing to watch the most for Sunday's race is pit road. It's a really long pit road. It's a really... I think it's like, what, 40 miles an hour or 35 miles an hour? It's, so It's, it's probably 35, yeah. It's a very slow pit road. It's very small and narrow. I think you're going to see a lot of contact on pit road. I think you're going to see a lot of strategy on pit road. I think you're going to see, I think it's going to come down to a race winning pit stop. Whoever's going to go to victory lane is going to have a, an amazing last uh, final pit stop. Uh, pit road is definitely something you want to keep your eye on this, this weekend. And the wall ride is illegal. And it's illegal. Yep. They'll show it in all the promotion now. Oh, right. But it's illegal. <laughs> I hope Ross Chastain gets a kickback every time they show that. I bet he don't, but I, I hope he does. I, I mean, so. he deserves it. Um, Yeah, I'm not going to go into my pick for this weekend, obviously. Uh, I, I don't know. I have an idea, but I don't know. Uh, I know who won the race last year, but 
also or last fall, but also I know that he won the race because uh, he had fresher tires than the people in front of him at the end of the race. I mean, he was probably really good. It was Christopher Bell. He was probably really good at the track. If the anyway, he was probably really good anyway. But he came through the field at the end of the race and raced his way into the championship four with fresher tires and everybody in front of him. Yeah. So I don't know if we can a hundred percent go off that for the race or, or what? I'm not really sure what way to lean with this race. Um, I know my favorite driver doesn't tend to do too well in these really short tracks. I was, I was staying away from him with dirt. And by the way, uh, that was not Ross Chastain's fault to finish that race. Uh, that was actually the 17 cars fault. He caused all that crap that collected Ross Chastain on the inside wall and had him stop in the middle of the turn. Somebody said it was Ross Chastain's fault. Everything's oh, Ross Chastain's fault. I mean, let's be honest. Everything. Chris, Ross it, it was it was uh, Chris Busher's fault. Yep. All right, <laughs> there you go. You heard it here first. That one was. Didn't you see the replay? I honestly, I I was so tired that the seven. The 17 ran over the 99 and it caused a big pile up and somebody came down the track and Ross was going to go on the inside to miss them. But the same thing happened that happened at that also race you were at where all of a sudden they just kept on coming down and well, Chastity's like, well, I'm here now. So he nailed them pretty hard against him in the inside wall and it killed the car and it stopped the middle of turn three. That's, oh, what, the, that's what the caution was at the end of it. Otherwise, if he hadn't spun out and stopped in the middle of the racetrack, it wouldn't have been a caution. Maybe we'll just race, race back. But, but anyway. I'll have to go back and rewatch it. They I, I only saw one uh I only saw one replay of that. That they only showed one replay. I don't know why, but there was only one replay that I saw of that. But I hope this weekend's race is better than the last couple of times they went here. I hope this uh, short track package does something for this track. It did something good for Richmond. Maybe it'll work out for Martinsville too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like uh, Chevy's going to be on top of it. William Byron has been super fast, and Hendrick Motorsports has won um, 27 times at Martinsville. So I don't know out of four drivers at Hendrick, I don't know who else you're supposed to pick. I also got to get back in the uh, groove on DraftKings. I'm, I have not been out of the money this many times in a row ever I, I don't know what's going on i gotta get back in the groove but anyway uh let's go ahead and wrap up the show uh, i want to go through the podcast drafting partners real quick the for me it's the fully posable wrestling figure podcast uh drunk wrestling history doing the favor with eric and barry positively pro wrestling podcast uh howling with the wolf with jason wolf and also follow him on twitter at uh I think it's Art of Jason Wolf. And he also um, runs the Chop Shop. You know, you have to be an, you have to get an invite for that or be a member for that. But amazing stuff he's bringing. I just wish I could buy more of it. He's got something he just showed off coming out for May. I'm, I'm going to have to break down and get it. I'm going to have to. Oh. Uh, also, Magic and the Mouse is a fun uh, Disney World podcast I listen to. So, uh, who you got, Ethan? Yeah, as always, we have Breaker Bane's Power Hour. Go check out shop.banemusic.com. Uh, you can go listen to the archives of You Know It's Fake, right? Also, Saturday Morning Rumble Wheel with Brian Breaker and Daniel Cross. 
I'm wearing their t-shirt like I always do every time we record. TB Toycast with Brian Breaker and Travis Fowler. Go check out the legend Bill Benis in No Holds Barred with Bill Benis. Uh, have a little bit of a troll problem over there. It sounds like <laughs> so pretty interesting stuff over there. Go check that out. You heard their commercial earlier. Go check out Tales from the Estate with Drew and Caitlin Vinsel with cameos from Rocco and Cole. Both of Drew and Caitlin are both now on the uh, in the Marbles Fantasy Cup win list so both have one win a piece there so go check out that uh you heard just kind of like uh tales from the estate you also heard pulling up a chair with our friend tim at a chair shots commercial as well go check out that uh speaking of commercials you might hear a new one here sometime soon uh stolen gimmicks pro wrestling podcast with joe and jordan go check that out reffing it up with brian hebner drops every thursday where rj in the in the marbles fantasy cup is the producer as always uh lionel racing the official diecast producer of nascar has a podcast authenticated the diecast collective podcast and that is all i got lionel racing just showed off the finished product of that matt de benedetto talladega wind truck yeah it man i can't wait I can't wait for that. I got the 124 scale on that. I can't wait. Nice. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to this week's show. Please rate and review and follow us on all the social media platforms, Twitter and Instagram at in the marbles pod. And you can also find us on Facebook. Just search in the marbles with soda and Ethan. Um, email the show at in the marbles pod at gmail.com. And if you go to what a maneuver.net, what a maneuver.net. I said that so fast. Maybe didn't understand it. Uh, you can find our shirt, our shirts. If you uh, click the top left tab, it says search by store. Scroll down to In the Marbles, and there we are. Also, be sure to visit SkinnyMixes.com. Use code Marbles at checkout for ten percent off. And before we get out of here, you got anything you want to add? As always, peace, love, and all of the above. And we'll see you next time in the Marbles.